Good morning. Welcome to Celebration Church. Let's all stand together as our campuses join us over in Appleton and Stevens Point. And let's recite together the Apostles' Creed. This is our statement of faith. This is who we are and what we believe at Celebration Church. We believe in God, the Father Almighty, the creator of heaven and earth. We believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who for us and for our salvation was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead, and on the third day he rose again. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the fellowship of believers, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. You may be seated. Good to have you with us this morning. Special shout out to our Appleton campus. This morning we had a, uh, uh, an event there Friday night. Place was packed out and had an absolute blast. It was absolutely fabulous. And uh, so good to have you guys always to connect and see you face to face over there. Um, this morning, real quickly, uh, I, I read a uh, study recently. I'm always looking for these things. And uh, this study said people who go to church actually live longer than people who do not. I mean, there's, it's actually, you know, it's like some 33%. I mean, it's, it's rather significant uh, amounts of, of difference in health and all the other stuff. And actually, if you look at these studies, they'll show that people uh, have a lower divorce rate. They uh, are healthier emotionally. Uh, and now, actually, study that actually are healthier physically and actually live longer than the general population. Now, uh, there's one caveat to all of that, <laughs> and that is this. It's people who attend church regularly, okay? <laughs> so s- some of y'all are going to die soon, all right? So now, and whenever you see these studies and they talk about, you know, all these benefits of church going, Sometimes people say, well, you know, well, you know, I believe in Jesus. They actually factored that. People who had faith did not live longer than the general public. It even factored in prayer. People who say they prayed, prayed regularly did not have an increased benefit in health but those who actually attended church. But when they say attend church and look for it, you'll always see it in these studies. It'll say people who attend church have this. And people say, oh, I go two, three times a month. You know, I'm fine. It literally means, if you look at the study, they'll point it out. People who go to church more than once a week, which knocks out a lot of people, sadly. (laughs) Now, it doesn't mean you come to two services on Sunday morning. It means you come to church on Sunday, and then you go, you know, like to a Bible study or to a Wednesday night thing like we have at the church or a life group or some other kind of activity where you really connect with people. These are the people who experience all the benefits, lower divorce rates, healthier mental states, and literally live longer than those who do not do that. And, you know, I talk about this from time to time, and uh, I'll tell you what, it's absolutely predictive. I mean, truly predictive. The people who come to us overwhelmingly for help, and if you need help, by all means, please come to us. Life is hard. It's got a lot of challenges. We can help you, truly. But it is interesting that those who overwhelmingly come to us for help are people who do not attend church regularly. It's it's, it's as predictive as people who smoke and those who do not. Those who smoke tend to have more health problems than those who do not. 
It's just that simple. You know, not that those who never smoke never have health problems, but I'm just saying it's, it's so predictive. You really want to make a difference in your life. You need to go to church. And not just the ones on Sunday, but also get some other area in life, in the church life, all kinds of opportunities where you can connect with people. This makes life so much better for you, and you won't have all the problems those who don't do this tend to end up having. Now, having said all of that, summer is coming. <laughs> and we live in Wisconsin. And look, I love Wisconsin. I love Wisconsin people. I love the culture. I would rather live here than in the South, personally. <laughs> people in the South, they're nice. Everybody says, people in the South are so much friendlier than they are up here. It's, it's really, as they say that all the time. But, you know, it's not always the most sincere friendliness. You know what I'm saying? Here's people in the South. If they love you, they'll say, oh, bless your heart. If they hate your guts, they'll say, oh, bless your heart. You have no idea. If these people love you or hate you, the thing about Wisconsin, somebody hates you, they'll just look at you and say, you suck, and at least I know where I stand. <laughs> and I would rather have that. And if we're not friendly to all you visitors, because we don't know you, you could be an axe murderer. All right? So I like that. I do. I prefer this than, to, although Southerners hate me now, but <laughs> I prefer it. To, I just do. I got a lot of friends that live in the South. I, I just, I wouldn't do it. As I was forced to, okay. So, but as wonderful as I love this culture and these people, the weather is just awful. It is. It's just awful. And Green Bay is particularly awful, I think, because it never quits blowing here. The wind is just <laughs> constantly. Like Stevens Point, Appleton. You guys, you can actually step outside and, and not get knocked over. You know, because we lived over there. It was great. I, kind of, I remember the first couple of times we were here. Deb and I, went, we actually asked people, says, is it windy here all the time? And they went, no. <laughs> yes, it is. Because <laughs> after two years, we heard, they lied to us. It never stops blowing here. Anyway, so it's fine. So it's the weather. It bites. So summer comes. It's the one time of year people actually come to Wisconsin on purpose. All right? <laughs> I get that. So we're all planning for summer, right? We're planning for getting away, going on vacation, going to the cabin. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. Now, consequently, you're going to miss some Sundays. I will not give you grief for that, okay? Because we live in Wisconsin, and it's quite dreadful. The problem is it does, and it's healthy, I think, a little bit to get away. But it really, uh, financially, you can imagine, it really negatively impacts the church. People say, well, I'll give more the next time I come to church. Well, you never do, okay? So it really hurts. So today, uh, before I get a message, we got this recurring giving card that most of you should all your campuses get. Uh, now, this is our traditional automatic giving. A lot of people sign up just for automatic giving so they don't have to come to church with their checkbooks and all this kind of stuff. They know, hey, every week I'll give this much. Every month I'll give whatever it is. And they sign up and it's just taken care of automatically. That's what I do. I don't have to think about it. I can still give to special things, you know, causes and stuff that we're doing or missions. I can always pull out a checkbook or something for that. Uh, but the, my regular giving is automatic. And a lot of people do that. And that's what this card is for. Uh, but the reason we had it out is we would like to actually consider as many of you as possible to at least do it just for the summer, okay? Now, the card is implying you're going to do it forever, but just write somewhere, summer, all right? So then, you know, if you normally give five bucks a week, 
or 50 bucks a week or 500 bucks or whatever it is that you do, just write it on there and say, okay, summer, and then you can hit this on my debit card or credit card, or you can even just throw a, a canceled check, you know, just write void on it and throw it in the, you, you can either clip it on or just throw it in, they'll find it, it'll be all fine. Uh, and they'll just do it automatically. You have no idea how much that will help us. Again, I don't mind because of where we live in this world. <laughs> Take it off some time and doing something. Now, if you're in town, you know, just, oh, it's nice, let's not go to church. Don't do that. You know, for nothing else for your kids' sake. Show them this is a priority. We'll do this, and then we'll go do whatever we got to do. But I know a lot of people are going to be gone. It's fine. It's summer. We're all planning for summer. I'm looking forward to summer. I finally got my boat in the water. Hallelujah. Praise God. Okay? But just plan. If you could just do this at a minimum for right somewhere, summer, and they're just automatically, and then, you, and again, all we're asking is do what you normally do. We're not asking you to do something you don't do. I come to church. I normally give such and such. Just write that on there and uh, fill it out and throw it in the offering. That would help us dramatically. All right, moving on. Now, I've been doing a series uh, on marriage and all the things that go along with it. And uh, we did our Laugh Your Way conference here. We did the thing in Appleton the other night, kind of uh, every couple of years or so, we'll kind of do that again. Uh, we're coming to the end of it. I, I might do one more next Sunday. I haven't decided yet, but anyway. But as we're doing this, oftentimes, single people come to me and say, what about us? What are we supposed to do? So today I want to talk to you, all right? So here we go. Now, the first thing you need to know about if you want to get married, and I'm talking about people, single, single people who are happy being single, just be happy. You don't have to get married, you know. The, the Apostle Paul said, man, better to not get married. That's what he said, you know, because he was single. He said, he said, I just wish everybody was like me is what he says. Now, not everybody wants to do that, but if you're single and you're happy being single, just be happy being single. You don't have to, you know. We don't think you're weird or have the plague or something. You know, it's fine. Just you're happy. Look, at some level, life is a lot less complicated for you. It is. And you can do anything you want. Whenever you want. I can't do that. <laughs> I would like to do that, but the redhead would kill me. All right? I was, I was about to go out the door the other night. I said, yeah, I'm going to go for a walk. And I just opened the door and went, Wait a minute. I'm going to go for a walk. <laughs> Just wait till we eat. Okay. You know, so that, that's, yeah, that's what I do. So, you know, you're single. You don't have this, but you can do whatever you want. So it's fine. It's great. It's wonderful. And by the way, single people can do things you can't. If you're one of these married people who says, oh, I wish I could go on one of these mission trips, but I just can't because of all my commitments, find some single person. Say, if I pay for your way, will you go? The Bible actually says you'll get credit for that trip. You lay up treasures in heaven. You know, the single people, they'll go. <laughs> they don't got to check with anybody. All right? I, I can't even go for a walk. All right, so now. <laughs> so, anyway, for those of you who, yeah, I would like to marry, let me give you some advice from a biblical standpoint. Number one, you have to understand, marriage is not a divine appointment. Now, this is really huge because... Christianity is saturated with the mentality that marriage is a divine appointment. God has planned out this for you, you know, and you should just wait for God to bring you a husband or the Lord to bring you a wife. Wait for God to speak to you on who to marry. This is so saturated in the Christian community. Even Bible colleges talk this nonsense, and it is. 
without question, nonsense. It is pure, unadulterated nonsense and without support biblically at all. And I challenge any of these nitwits to debate it, which is there's a lot of nitwits out there, all right? This is what they think. This is God. God's going to do God's going to do No, 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 no. This is your choice. Number one, you either choose to get married or not. And if you choose, then I, you got to make a decision. I talked to some of you. Well, I'd like to get married, but I kind of like being single. I like to make a, what should I do? I don't know. I can't even follow you. I have no idea. You need to make a decision. What do you want? I want to get married. Then make that choice and then you act accordingly. So number one, you got to choose whether or not to get married. And it's up to you. It's not a divine revelation. And number two, then you have to choose whom to marry. And this is where you have to start using your brain. All right? Again, not waiting for, you know, somebody to come floating on a cloud towards you. Here's what the Bible says. Proverbs, 18th chapter. He who finds a wife finds what is good. Everybody say find. find. You know what it is with finding? You got to look. You got to look. You got to make effort. Look. I'm looking for a husband. Where, where, where are you? I know you're in there somewhere. Hey, where you at? All right. You got to look. You got to move stuff around. Now, I got to tell you, my wife will testify that, in general, I'm a terrible looker. She'll tell me to go into the basement to find something. I'll stick my head in the basement and go, no, I can't find it. She says, no, you got to look. You got to move. I can even in the, you know, in the refrigerator. I don't see it. Move stuff, she says. I got to, oh, there it is. What a miracle, you know. So, so I'm a bad looker. But, uh, you know, when you got, you got to look, okay? Remember, we just read Proverbs 31 a couple of weeks ago. The wife of noble character. What does it say? A wife of noble character who can find. It's about finding. It means you got to go look. Marriage is about finding or being found. God does not bring somebody to you. This is Patently absurd. You know, oh, God's going to float somebody on a cloud like you're Moses or something. All right? You, that means you got to make effort. You got to go looking for someone. And this idea, and I'm telling you, I am very much in the minority on this, in the Christian, and I'm, I'm comfortable with it because I just think they're all crazy. <laughs> I do. Well, look at the result, what we're getting. It's a disaster. Some of this marriage thinking we're getting is just, just nonsense. This idea that God has one special person ordained for everybody is crazy. Bible colleges teach this. They need to stop. It's without support. The only place that even you can get a hint of that is an obscure verse in the Old Testament where Abraham's servant was told to go find a cousin for Isaac to marry. And he didn't. It's not like you Googled an address, put it in your GPS. He didn't know where the heck he was. He's gone all over the place. Oh, Lord, let me find the one. All right? And it's just a servant. He's not Abraham. He's not, we don't even know the guy's name. And they prayed all kinds of goofy things back then. They didn't know much about God at all. They just knew there was a God, and they didn't know anything about it. The revelation of the gospel wasn't clear at all. And that's the only time in the entire scripture you can't base your thinking off of one verse. People who tend to turn into cults and all kinds of weird things take one verse without, and they make stuff up. And the Bible doesn't talk anything, but they find that one verse. And it's craziness. You don't build a doctrine. What you find in the Bible over and over again is about finding a wife, taking a wife, seeking a wife. You got to go look. Paul in the New Testament, the whole time he talked about marriage, not one time said, pray and ask God to show you who to marry. Wait for the Lord to bring you a husband or a wife. This is nonsense. And if you don't get anything out of what I'm telling you, just get that in your head, okay? 
You want to get married, you decide whether or not you want to get married. And number two, you decide on who you're going to get married to. You got to go looking. There's not one special person for you. Listen to me. Let's pretend for a delusional moment that that's true. That God has ordained one special person for everybody. All right. Think it through. All it would take is for one person to get it wrong. And the whole thing falls apart. Right? If Bob is supposed to marry Sarah, but marries Juliet, what's Sarah supposed to do? Now, Sarah marries Tim, who's supposed to marry Annette. What's Annette supposed to do? Now, Annette marries Fred, who's supposed to marry Wilma. That's where you get the Flintstones. The whole thing's a disaster. (laughs) And if we truly believe this, despite what churches say, if you truly believe, Mr. Bible scholar, student in college, you're like, oh, yeah, God's ordained one special person for everyone then the first thing we should do, every time someone converted who's already married, the first thing they should do is get a divorce. Right? Get a divorce right away so they can find the one God has chosen for. Because he probably didn't pick her because the Lord chose him. He just picked her up in the bar because she had a cute butt. (laughs) Or or whatever else motivated him. You know I mean? He's not praying about anything. Can you imagine if we did that? Christianity would be the destroyers of culture. We would damage people's lives and destroy children's lives. It is nonsense. The Bible never, ever, 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 ever talks about this. Why churches today do? I have no idea. Well, I know why. Because our secular culture talks like this. And we've been famous for the last 2,000 years. We take secular concepts and we spiritualize them. Secular world believes in a soulmate. And we spiritualize that stupid. There is not one special person for you. You need to make a decision. Then the question I get is, okay, pastor, but you know, so, so how do we do this? You know, and a lot of the women will say, well, you know, do I just wait for a guy to approach me? Or, well, traditionally, you would say, well, yeah, that's the way. That's traditionally what we've always thought. It's the guy who uh, in, in, uh, initiates uh, relationships. Uh, by the way, it's tough for guys in our church, men that come to our church. I talk to these single guys. They are actually single men in this church. You girls that are looking, I can't find anybody. All right. Uh, uh, and, and they think there's no single women here. They're also delusional. I'll talk about it in just a minute. Okay, but... You know, traditionally, so I'm talking to these guys, and, and they say, well, first of all, sometimes it's hard to tell if they're married or not, because not everybody wears a ring, all right? You girls, if you're married, wear a ring. Back off check, okay? And if you're single and you don't want guys dating you, wear a ring, all right? It's very simple. Number two, the challenge, I was talking to a guy the other day, it was hilarious. He says, he said, Pastor, I have no idea how old these women are. I said, what do you mean? He says, I don't know, you know? There's, you can't tell if someone's 16 or 18 or 19 or 20, right? Man, you know, there's some girls at 14 look like they're 23. Some are 23 look like they're 14. I mean, it is what it is. The difference is one will end you in jail, okay? So, <laughs> they don't know. What, what do I do? I don't know how old these girls are. You know, I thought, well, we should give them name tags. Sarah, 21. I don't know. What do we do? Well, the answer is get connected with people in church. The reason why a lot of you can't find anybody, you don't come to church all the time. You just don't. Or if you come on Sunday, you don't come to anything else. You're not going to find out who is available and who isn't. And we should be able to be a filtering system so we can kind of point people in the right directions towards each other. You want to come to church once a week or even two, three times a month or five, six times a year or whatever it is, you're not going to find anybody. Not here. Okay, you need to come and get connected in the life of the church and people will help you 
to find people. You know what's better than having to find something yourself? Is get other people to help you find it. Right? I can't find stuff. I can't find my glasses. Oh my God, I can't find my glasses. Help me find my glasses. You guys, come here. Help me find my glasses. You know, or I could sit up and say, no, I'm waiting for the Lord to bring me my glasses. <laughs> All right. That would make me a moron. All right. Now, oh, and the other thing I thought was hilarious, because the guy's just new to church, he said, you know, it's really hard because when I used to date girls before, I always had alcohol. Kind of numb the senses, you know. Like a little liquid courage, you know what I'm saying? And I can't help you with that one, you know. I mean, I could go to the church presbytery and see if we could start, in addition to offering grape juice and wine, you know, tequila shots for these single guys. I don't know. But my guess is they, they won't approve that. <laughs> okay. I just think that's hilarious. Uh, anyway, by the way, it is hard. You have no idea, girls, how difficult it is for a man to ask a woman out. It is terrifying to them. It, for most guys, they, men fear rejection more than anything. They just do. In fact, it's stunning how many drop-dead gorgeous women, anything from 18, even younger, up to 50, never get asked out on dates because they freak the snot out of everybody. They don't. You ask them. They, no one ever asks them out. Are you kidding me? You know, because the guys are just afraid they're going to get rich. She's too good looking. She'll say no to me. I was in Australia, man. There was a girl on the front row. Holy cow, she sucked the air out of the whole room. Good Lord. So I meet her. She's single. Said, You're single? What are these guys all gay? What is this? Single? What? How can you be single? She says, I'm single. No one asked you. No one ever asked me. And I'm looking at her. I can see why. You scare them. You're scaring me. I don't even know you. <laughs> Five minutes later, two guys come up to me and say, man, uh, how do we find any girls today? And she was standing right over there talking to some girls. I said, you see that one? Yeah. Ask her. He went, no, man. He walked away. There's no way they're going to do it. <laughs> what are you going to do? I have no answer for that one. Anyway. But even though we traditionally think and traditionally taught it's the man, you know, churches even teach, oh, man, and they tell the young girls, don't look at boys, let the boy initiate. He should ask permission from your father to even talk to you, which I think is ridiculous. Great if we were Amish or something. All right. But uh, as, as much as we think, you know, the, the guy should do it, Here's an interesting thing. A study that came out, this is several months ago. Over 90% of all marriage relationships, they said in the study, were initiated by the woman. It was the girl who initiated. So you got this fantasy that's not supported by reality. And it's one of the reasons why there's a lot of single girls out there who never get anybody because they're taught, you know, don't pay attention and don't focus on the guy and let them come after you and you're just going to be 98 and still single. All right? A lot of it goes because these guys are half scared to death. You need a lot of it. You need to be the ones that kind of, you know, hello, hi. <laughs> you know, really? Really. One of the most sexy things a woman can do is laugh at something stupid a man says. <laughs> really. That's, practice your laugh. <laughs> and when he says something funny, you go, <laughs> oh, she likes me. Okay, now, now you got something. All right? So, so the girl, she has to initiate, and then she plays keep away. And he goes chasing her, okay? That's when the chasing comes out. You expect a guy out of nowhere to come up? It's just not likely to happen. Nine, I think it was 93%. All marriages said it was the girl who made the first move. Well, brother, that's not biblical. That's not biblical. 
You know, I, I want a divine encounter like Ruth and Boaz. As I said a couple of weeks ago, when we talk about women, you know, I was always taught gr growing up, women shouldn't work outside the church. They should be a Proverbs 31 woman. And then you read Proverbs 31, and it's all about a woman who works outside. <laughs> Only Christians quote the Bible to make points that are completely opposite of what the Bible says. By the way, when somebody says to you the Bible says something, don't believe them. Even me. Go check it out for yourself. See if it's real. I could tell you anything. The Bible says you're supposed to jump on one leg when you pray. Half of you just go, oh, praise the Lord. Hallelujah. <laughs> you won't even look. Look. Don't just... Oh, that makes me crazy. Look. See if it's true. So these people are, oh, Pastor, I, I want to divine relate. I want, you know, just the man to do everything, the Lord to magically do everything. I want, like, Ruth and Boaz. Because they've never read Ruth and Boaz. We're going to read it this morning. All right? I'll explain to you who Ruth was. Ruth marries this guy named Malin who kicks the bucket. We don't know why. He dies. He dies early. She's a young widow. So she's living with her mother-in-law. And uh, so that's her lot in life. Uh, now, in that culture, this is thousands of years. We're talking a good 5,000 years plus. I don't know the time frame, but life is different. And uh, in that culture, women had no real say over property and stuff like that. It was, man, it was like that up until the 1800s in most countries, even the turn of the 19th century, uh, 20th century. Uh, it was still like that. Anyway, so what would happen is the next person in line, a relative in line, gets to get Malin's property if he claims it, but then he's also got to take the chick with it. It's like a package deal, okay? Now, the next one in line is not Boaz. A lot of people don't know this because you don't read the story. Boaz is not the next one in line. It's another guy in line. But they want Boaz. Okay? All right? It's called, she's looking for the guardian redeemer, they call it, someone who come and claim the property and, and, and her life. So she's got her eyes set on Boaz. So now let's take a look. This is Ruth, the third chapter. Now one day Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, says to her, my daughter, I got to find you a man. You need a man. You need to get out and be well provided for. Now Boaz, with whose woman you have worked is a relative of ours. Now, what she's talking about, Boaz, they, they, in the previous chapter, you see, they already got their eye on him. Ooh, look at him. Ooh, okay. Now, he's older than her. You know, we shall find out here. She, he's not the next one in line, but that's the one she likes. And in the previous chapter, she bumps into him in the field, and they sit down, and they have a little lunch, and they talk, and he laughs, she laughs at something stupid. He says, ah, you know, so anyway, he's, he's like, oh, ooh, ooh, nice lady. You know? So she says, look, that guy, guy, Boaz, we like him, all right? Now, who's running this? The Lord? No, the mother-in-law. <laughs> she now said, now, listen, he's, tonight he's going to be winnowing barley on the threshing floor. This is what the guys were doing. It's harvest time. What they do, they work all day long and then they have a big dinner and then they go to sleep and they'd wake up and continue. I mean, this is the season. That's what they're doing. So that's where he's going to be. He's going to be on the floor. Now, this is how we're going to get him. Number one, chapter three, verse, wash. <laughs> wash, okay? You can't be all icky, okay? Well, if it's the Lord, it won't matter. It's, it's going to matter. I'm telling you right now. You got to wash. Number two, she says, put on some perfume. Woo! Yeah, you're going to catch fish. You got to smell like bait. <laughs> I'm just waiting for the Lord to do it like Ruth and Boaz. You never even read Ruth and Boaz. You're not waiting for anything. 
They got this boy in their sights. Clean up, put on some perfume and get dressed to kill. Put on your best clothes. So she's looking sharp, looking fine. Smelling nice. Now here's the plan. Go down to the threshing floor, but don't let him know you're there. I'm telling you, they're plotting on this guy. And then uh, he'll eventually lay down. And when he lies down, then go and uncover his feet and then lie down by his feet. And then, and then he'll respond to you. Now, you have to understand, in this culture, that's a very salacious thing to do. It was very forward. It wasn't immoral, but it was a forward thing for a woman to undercover a man's feet. I don't know why 5,000 years ago. What do I know? I just know that is like, because of what that saying is, I want you, big boy. <laughs> that's what it is. That's just like, hello. <laughs> I like you. Anyway, where am I? I'm lost. Okay, oh, <laughs> then go down to the threshing floor, but don't let him know you're there until he's finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, he's going to fall asleep. No, see where he's going to lie down, and then go uncover his feet, lie down. He'll tell you what to do. Then, then she says, Ruth says, I will do whatever you say, mamacita. So she went down to the threshing floor, and every mother-in-law should memorize this verse, did everything her mother-in-law told her to do. <laughs> and all the mother-in-law said, amen, praise God. All right, so there. So now Boaz finishes eating and drinking. He's in good spirits, all right? He goes to lay down. He's going to chill out. He lays down by the grain pile. <laughs> you think she'd be a little out of sorts, all dressed to kill, right, and smelling good. They're all about gay, grain. I bet she, man, she's stuck out. Hello, everybody. You know? So she comes in, and she, uh, where am I? <laughs> I keep getting lost. Too many verses. Oh, so, so Ruth approached quietly. Goes and uncovers his feet. I want you, baby. And then lays down. Well, in the middle of the night, something startles the man. And he turns and he sees this woman lying at his feet. She's smelling good. She looks hot. He goes, who are you? And she goes, oh, me? <laughs> it's just the Lord that I'm here. Praise God. No, it's on purpose. Well, I'm your servant, Ruth. And then she says this. Spread the corner of your garment over me since you are our guardian redeemer of our family. She's literally asking him to marry her. That's what he's doing. Now, I'm not encouraging women just to go attacking men here. You're going to freak the snot out of them, you know. Hi, nice to meet you. I want to have babies. You know, don't do that, okay? Because you're, you're going you're to give the guy a heart attack, all right? They got to be a little smart, you know, a little sneaky. They're being sneaky. <laughs> Run around. But she comes right out and says, hey, boy. And she goes, well, the Lord bless you, my daughter. He says, my, this kindness is greater. This kindness, like you're saying right now, you're hitting on me. It's greater than that one you showed earlier when you just sat down and we had lunch together. I mean, this is a, and, and again, he's an older guy. He just thinks he's not in the running. See, a lot of guys, they're a little clueless. They don't know. He doesn't even know she's interested. He just figures, hey, I'm not in the running. Uh, you know, you, you didn't go for the younger guys. Uh, and now, don't be afraid. I will do all you ask. All the people of my town know that you're a woman of noble character. So he's agreeing that he would marry her. He says, although it is true I am a guardian redeemer of our family, there is one another who is more closely related than I. They undoubtedly knew this. They know who their relatives are. They all are very aware of what's going on. These town men, they all knew everybody. They knew Boaz wasn't in line. She 
and the mother-in-law wanted him. So she makes the move on him. He says, well, you know, I got to wait and see if the other guy wants you or not. So anyway, if you read the story, what he does is he goes to the guy and says, hey, listen, we need to talk. And he sits down and he says, you know, Malin kicked the bucket, you know, are you going to redeem his property? He goes, yeah, yeah, I'll do it. And then Boaz says, okay, but you got to take the girl with it. And he goes, oh, no, I don't want to do that, you know. And, and then Boaz says, well, then I'll do it. He says, good, knock yourself out. So that's how Boaz marries Ruth. Why is this even in the Bible? Because they have a little boy. He becomes the grandfather of a young man named David who kills Goliath and becomes the great king of Israel and goes on. And it's just showing you the, the unbroken line from Abraham all the way to Jesus, the Messiah. This is the story of Ruth. What are we seeing in the story? Number one, she was intentional. You got to be intentional, both boys and girls, okay? And I've talked to both out there between services, single ones. Coming up, oh, I can't find anybody. No, no one comes to me. I can't find anyone. A single guy comes to me. I can't find anyone. Single girls. I can't find anything. I got to introduce you to each other, all right? But you got to do it on purpose. And the one of the ways you can do is let us help you by getting connected in the church. Because I don't know you. I'm not going to just tell you to date someone that I don't know who you are. You know, I'm not going to do that to somebody. I want to know who you are. You got to get involved in the life of the church. You come in every once in a while or just on Sundays or others, it's just not going to cut it. Sorry. It is what it is. Okay? Let us help you connect with people. Well, why don't you just start a singles groups? Because they're creepy. <laughs> they are. They're just creepy. And then there's just then you get people who are real desperate people in there, and you got some 19-year-old girl and 45-year-old guy. It's creepy. Okay? We're not going to do that. Get involved in the life of the church. Let us get to know you. We'll start pointing you in different directions. So, number one, let us help you. Number two, you're going to have to give some effort. This doesn't happen automatically. You're going to have to work at this. And I know people, if you listen to the Christian radio, say all the prayers, oh, the Lord's going to do it, and you'll hear testimonies, oh, how God brought a man into my life. You know, I'm telling you, it's without biblical support. It's not the way it works. You're going to have to make some effort. And I've said to people, you know, I just want to go through the hassle of dating. Well, then stay single. I don't, you know, I don't know what you want. It's like someone telling me, Pastor, I want a paycheck, but man, I don't want to work. Lots of luck with that. Say, so, well, I'll, I'll have to go date a bunch of nitwits before I find the right one. Yeah. Yeah. Hello, where are you? You got to go look in. All right. And third, you need to give it some time. This is another problem you guys have, you single people. You're waiting for love at first sight. It's unrealistic. You know, we introduce you to someone. You guys, we try to set you up. Go out with each other. Well, I don't want to go out with him. Well, how do you know? He's not my type. How do you know? And here's the crazy thing. You have no idea how many married people around you, when they first met each other, they couldn't stand each other. I won't have you raise your hands. <laughs> but it's true. Ask him. No, I couldn't stand her. Oh, he was so obnoxious. You know. 20 years later, five kids in a house, all right? Just because you don't like them right away. As soon as you see them, you're, nah, nah, stop. Spend a little time. Get a chance to, you know, go on a few dates. No one says you have to marry anybody. Just get to know them, all right? And, and it is what it is. And here's the other final thing, and it is what it is. There's always more single women in a church than single men, okay? Where are all the single men? They're in a bar wondering where all the single women are. <laughs> it's true. If you go to a bars, they're, they're filled with guys and there's no chicks around. Where are the girls? They're in church. You dummies, come to church. Are you single people on TV? Hey, hey, hey. Come to church. Anyway, 
So anyway, there's people that are just, they're not there. So I don't have, I know some people don't like this, but I don't have a problem with you as a single woman, some guy who's not a Christian or never comes to you and wants to ask you on a date. Praise the Lord. Here's your chance. Say, yes, I'll go on a date with you, but you got to come to church with me for a month first. Why not? Win them to Jesus, right? If he comes to church for a month and he doesn't want anything to do with it, then go out with him one time, order the most expensive thing you can, and then dump him. <laughs> what do you care? Well, pastor, what if he becomes a Christian, but I still don't like him? Well, that's fine. Now you're setting it up for some other girl. She will be very grateful to you for bringing him to church. All right? And then finally with this, when you do do this, be smart, be smart. Be aware there's some weird people out there. And it is what it is. The only way you find out is you got to find out. But be smart about it. I had one lady come to me. She said, Pastor, I dated some guy and he almost raped me. Guy came to your church. What's his name? I found out his name. Tried to track so he wasn't around here anymore. Good. Call the cops a little snot. But I said, well, what happened? Well, I was over at his apartment. We're all by ourselves. On the first date... Come on, you girls, you can't be that dumb and still breathe. You don't go to somebody's house or apartment all alone with some guy you don't even know. Stop. You shouldn't even do that with somebody you know, for heaven's sakes. And then it's not just the women who get themselves in trouble. Guys, too, because there's some very aggressive women that are a little crazy. I had one guy in our church. He dated another lady. Who's going to our church? I don't think she comes here anymore. Praise the Lord. Took her to a drive-in theater. So I went up and got popcorn, and I came back, sat down, looked over. She was buck naked. (laughs) Completely, completely naked. First of all, who does that? (laughs) Well, I was hot. It was a little warm in here. I had to take off my clothes. Good Lord. I said, what would you do? He said, put your clothes on. It's a driving theater for the love of God. There's people in other cars. You took her home and dumped her, and that was the end of it. Good for him. So, well, that's why I don't want to date. Look, use your brains in the first place. Try and go through the filter of people you know in the church so we can point you to the right people. Uh, but then you're going to just have to go. And don't get freaked out that you don't wind up marrying the first person that you date. Some you do. I know a guy, the first girl, he fell over crazy, head and heels level. He's 15 years old. That was me. This is this one here, see? And so sometimes it happens that way, you know? But a lot of people, it doesn't. Some people, man, they go through 30 of them, you know, going through <laughs> the jungle, <laughs> trying to find. This doesn't matter. I don't know who it's. I don't know. God knows, but I don't know. Say, well, God's like, well, you can pray. God will help you find. I have no problem with people. God help me find stuff, but you got to go looking. You can't just be on your own, okay? So get connected. Be intentional. Give it some time. And just don't think that it's all going to happen without somebody initiating something. And I don't care if it's the guy or the girl. Uh, And just be smart. Always be smart. The goal is that you can be successful with what you want. All right? Again, number one, you have to decide if you want it. Remember, Jesus said, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, that's when God will give you your answers. But you got to desire. you got to make your mind out what you want. Uh, and then be intentional about it. Okay, let's pray. Father, we thank you for your kindness and your word. I thank you for these wonderful 
single people here, Lord. Uh, their lives have been greatly blessed and they love you with all their heart. And some of them would like to find someone to marry. Help them, Lord, to be intentional about it, to be smart about it, and to put the effort and work into it that is just required. Our goal, our desire, oh Lord, for all of them and for everybody here in all our campuses is that we would live lives that are so successful and so blessed that people outside the church will look at us and go, wow, I want to be like you guys. And it will give us the opportunity to share your love with them. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, amen. amen. Have a great day.